You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, Claire O'Brien. I'm a nurse practitioner. And today, I'm so excited. I'm sitting down with Naomi Alindo. Um, thank you for doing this and appreciate your time. So she's yeah. back on Southern Charm, which I'm also very excited um, <laughs> to learn. It's like one of my favorite shows, obviously. And now that I'm not in Charleston anymore, I will watch it with great nostalgia. <laughs> so <laughs> that's always how it goes people start to love it once they move out <laughs> no I listen I've always loved it I can't I mean Cam Wimberly <laughs> come on get out of here she says she wants to fade into the distance but oh, I'm not gonna let that happen we'll never let her fade um oh, no so never thank you no. for coming on this will be just like a fun combo and hopefully some good info for people listening and we'll just chat um so I know I, I wanted to ask you first. So you and Helen Hall, who started Blender Bombs, you guys just got back from LA. And I was laughing because I'm sitting in my closet and you guys are doing really big podcasts that are like probably a very similar setup to me sitting on the floor in my closet. Um, but what do you guys, so how did you first meet Helen and, and tell me about what y'all were doing together? Yeah. So first of all, the closet setup is so much more convenient than flying to LA, getting in a hotel, getting in an Uber, going to a studio recording. This is much more comfortable. So I'm very great, happy. Great. Um, not that the studios aren't, but this is great. Um, yeah. So Helen and I have been friends for a really long time. We actually, I mean, we live down the street from each other. Um, she was dating somebody in college that was best friends with my boyfriend at the time. And we were sort of introduced that way. Um, and since then, you know, many, many a boy has come and gone, but Helen and I've stayed strong and our friendship has been just really, really solid. Um, I just think she's a really inspiring person and I love surrounding myself with people like her, um, especially in a business sense and just the type of human being she is. I think she's incredible. So yeah, we've been friends maybe almost 10 years now. So crazy. Helen and Helen Hall is the creator. If people don't know, um, who they're probably like, what are y'all talking about? But Helen Hall created a product called Blender Bombs, um, which are just these like what little nuggets of like nuts, seeds, a little honey, maybe. Yeah, and, so, like some dates. Is that they're um, they're smoothie boosters? So when Helen was first sort of starting out, she was a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And she started getting into the nutritional side of things and was trying to tell her clients, you know, all right, you need to be doing intermittent fasting and break your fast with this smoothie. You need uh, to be putting these kinds of seeds, these kinds of nuts so that you have these fatty acids and all this stuff. And people just couldn't figure it out. So she was like, whatever, I'm just going to make these little balls of goodness myself mm -hmm. and I'll give them to you and you just drop the ball in your smoothie. And that's kind of how blender bombs were created. It's got uh, every single um, essential fatty acid, um, amino acid, like it's just nuts, seeds, dates. I don't think they have honey uh, because they're vegan. So I think honey is technically considered not vegan because of the bees. Oh, right, um, the bees. But they have something like maybe coconut sugar or something. I don't know, all like great ingredients. And blender bombs helped me a lot. 
through a time where I was kind of unhealthy and I was trying to lose a little weight, but do it in a um, maintainable way. And that's how it started. This is not an ad for blender bombs. We just both. No, like, it's, it's really I've, not. <laughs> I've, I've used them for years. <laughs> um, I was trying to convince my husband this morning because he's been like on a big smoothie kick recently. And I was like, I don't know why you're not putting blender bombs in there. And he's like, that's 150 calories and I don't even understand it. And I was like, it's good for you. Put it in there. It's just a way to get like, oh, it's a, so like good for you. 11 more plants in your diet really quickly that day. So I mean, we're. Exactly. And at this point I do it for taste. Cause if I have one without a blender bomb, it just feels so watery or something. Yeah. Like they add this sort of creamy texture to them that uh, makes it more filling to me. I love them. What's your like love normal them. kind of like health and fitness. I mean, obviously you're like incredibly fit. I think you're also probably 10 years younger than me. So in my mind, we're the same age, That's <laughs> not true at all, but like mentally we, no, we are. are. <laughs> No. How old are you? I'm 37. No. I'm a, I'm on I just no, say 40. I'm 29. I mean, we're closer. Just say 40 now. No. Okay. Feels, no. It just feels right. <laughs> but what's your No, like, you round down. <laughs> I don't know. It makes me you feel better because then people think I look younger, but what like what's your normal kind of like fitness <laughs> wellness routine? Do you really like are you doing a smoothie every day or do you, like you work out every day? How do you stay super fit like you are? No. No, I don't Luck. really do anything every day. Like I, yeah, I just got, just got lucky. Um, no, I think naturally I'm definitely a big binge eater. So that's something I have to monitor. My dad was also a binge eater. So, um, it's just something that I have to pay attention to, Totally. but when I'm doing well, or when I feel like I'm, you know, healthy, I do intermittent fasting at least four ish day, five days a week. I don't huh. usually do it on weekends. Sometimes by accident, I'll do it on weekends. Um, and then you break your fast with a blender bomb smoothie or a regular smoothie if you don't want to use blender bombs, but I do. Um, and then I'm a big snacker. So I just kind of graze, which is not, I guess, super recommended, but it's just what works for me. So I graze throughout the day and then I'll eat a bigger dinner and try to stop eating, you know, around like eight or 9 p.m. I mean, last night I was eating at midnight. So again, it's not always the same, but I have more days where I do um, intermittent fast. stay consistent with uh -huh. the intermittent fasting and the smoothie than I don't. And so that sort of outweighs. And then I work, I just go to Hilo. I used to work out with a trainer named Gunner who I love, but the scheduling was just too hard. So I try to get to Hilo three to four days a week, but realistically, the last few months I've been going twice. Um, I just adjust to whatever my lifestyle is at the time. If I'm traveling a lot, I try to curb, you know, sweets and bad food because I know I'm going to be drinking. And um, it's just a balance. Like I don't really restrict anything and I try to eat intuitively, but I don't always succeed. Okay, no I was going to ask that. Anyone because... that says they eat perfectly all the time is not telling the truth. No, well, they're not. No, they're not. Or they're just so lucky that they can like pull that off. But I, so I noticed like, you know, when you're traveling and doing the show and like going to, I'm, I'm like, how do, how are these people not like swollen and just bloated and all from all these like meals and people giving you drinks and like whining and dining you? Do you have to like literally say like, um, I like, yeah, thank you. But like, I'm not going to drink tonight or whatever. I mean, is that awkward? I think surely you have to, or you would just be like a one big swollen sausage. 
No, I mean, it gets to the point, at least that we just finished filming um, about a month ago or a little over a month ago. And it got to the point where I couldn't take my rings off anymore because I was so swollen. And I knew- Oh, good. I feel it, better. You know, it, it's hard. No one- yeah, no, we are. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but I was a swollen sausage. Like, I really was. I was like, oh my God, my face. Like, I just feel so. I broke three zippers. I just went and picked them up today at the tailor because I had to get the zippers fixed because they just blew off my pants. Like, so bad. But Amazing. I know that it'll all get back to a better place, you know, once. Because if you film four days a week, five days a week, most people drink while they're filming because it's already so awkward, you know? Right. Um, and so when you drink, then you get hungrier and blah, blah, blah. So it's just about trying to make up for it with other good habits. Like I know if I'm going to film that day, then I'm going to work out because I'm going to drink. And so yeah. I'm not going to not work out and then do three other bad things. I don't know. Not, not bad things. Nothing is good or bad, but uh, you just don't feel it's just good. balance. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's no way you can no, like, you don't. sustain that lifestyle unless you're like a chef or someone and, and still like feel good in the morning. Like it's just not possible. And he probably doesn't feel good. In the morning, <laughs> chef bless is an anomaly. Yeah. Who else I is back on the fine. show? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he does help. Mm-hmm. I mean, he must, but yeah. Okay. Who else is back on the show now? Um, okay. So it's, um, Shep, Craig, Austin, Whitney, Catherine, Leva, um, Vanita, a girl named Olivia who I love to death. Pat uh-huh. is still on the show. Uh-huh. Um, Whitney's back. I think that's everybody. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little okay. bit. I mean, Whitney. Whitney never really left. I think he just filmed that's a true. little bit less. But I think he filmed more this year. Um, yeah. That's if I'm awesome. forgetting someone, I'm really sorry. Austin. Yeah. Did we say Austin? Leva. Did I say Leva? You said Leva. Yeah, uh-huh. Austin. Leva. Um, I think that's it. Danny, Madison, Danny, Dan. Oh, Madison. Yes, Madison filmed. Uh-huh. Um, and then Danny filmed one time, but um, not not very much. Yeah, I'm sure it's um, grueling, like mentally. How do you deal with the mental? Honestly, like I, I have like 12 followers in comparison to you, and I, and it's still like very anxiety producing when people if like. I, I'm sure you try not to say anything controversial, but like, God forbid, like if you say anything controversial, it can, it can be so overwhelming. Like, how do you deal with that? With the literal, it sounds silly, I'm sure, but to people like the mental stress of that many eyes on you and people talking to you that you don't know and like commenting and messaging, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's kind of, it's not really as intense as you would think. Like, I think right from the beginning, um, my view on it has been, if it's not, if it's somebody that loves you or thinks that they love you from what they've seen for a few minutes on TV, or even just through Instagram, Mm -hmm. they don't have enough basis to know you to love you. In that same sentiment, they don't have enough basis to know you to hate you. So you can't take the love if you're going to leave the hate. And I don't take the hate because I don't really take the love to heart. I mean, yeah. it's always nice to get, you know, a nice comment. But when someone says something mean, I'm just like, all right, you have no idea what you're talking right. about. Like, get out of here. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, there definitely, the, there have been two times that I've been really hurt by mm-hmm. Uh, something someone said and it was people that I knew personally and that like crushed me 
But if it's someone I don't know, I'm like, whatever. That's very true. It's much easier when it's someone you don't know at all. You're like, okay, like you don't know me. But then if it's, if it's somebody that, you know, there was someone that I really respected at some point who wasn't even really saying anything bad, just kind of was like, kind of not calling me out. I don't even know how to explain it. Just saying like, this isn't the right like way to say this. Um, and I was like, ouch, why didn't you just like message me that? Like, Oh, you don't even say that. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's not a good feeling. I think it's just, you're totally right. It's worse when it's somebody that, that you know, versus like a complete random internet stranger. Um, so yeah, Yeah, but it, it can be, I'm sure it can be overwhelming. Like if you, if you do let it become overwhelming. Um, I'm sure, but that's a really good way to say it is if, if you can't take, if someone's only seen you for five minutes and you're saying you don't know me enough to, to really love me, I've never even thought about it like that. I love how you probably stay grounded that way. Um, okay. Really quick shift. That's just what my parents like always said. And yeah, go ahead. smart. All right. Let's talk about, um, speaking of comments, aesthetics and Botox and filler and plastic surgery. And we don't need like a list, you know, nobody needs to read your chart, but so I'm in the aesthetic, you know, the medical aesthetic industry, and I just find it super interesting. Let's use JLo as an example, like ma'am, you know, it's not all male, like ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, come on. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, gorgeous, be stunning. Stunning. Does not look, I think she's 55 something. I don't know. She, whatever it is, she like looks younger than I do, but it's not olive oil. I mean, so yeah. like, why can't yeah. we talk about what we're all doing? So if you've been following Dabble Co. and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, So it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. And, you know, I'm so happy for JLo. I'm so happy for her. (laughs) What I have a problem with is that normal women are looking at that being like, shit, I'm not aging well because look at JLo. She doesn't do anything. She's using olive oil and I am not, and I don't look like that. What's wrong with me? That's what the problem is. It's not, Yeah. I think people should just do whatever they want, but why lie? Like I never understood why it was so taboo to talk about, work that you're doing I mean or maintenance or surgeries or whatever you know and um I mean I got a ton of um kickback when I got my nose done a few years ago people were like oh my god like you shouldn't have done that like blah 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 why would you I'm like I'm like guys I 
I didn't do it for you. I did it because when I looked in the mirror, I saw something that I didn't like. If I have the resources to change it, why wouldn't I? It's not like you're, it's not your issue. You know, yeah. it's not. And I would never comment on someone's, I don't know. It's, I think it's just a different mentality maybe, but I don't, I don't understand why some people have things done and keep it a secret. It, it should just be out in the open so that realistic expectations are set for the general public, you know, and yeah. people like us who see JLo and are like, Oh, at 55, I need to look like that. Well, guess what? Unless you have the best team of the best, everything oh. you're not going to. She has, uh, God knows how many trainers. I'm sure she has a chef. Like, I'm sure she has an in-home, you know, it's funny. I think once you kind of pull the curtain back on what's possible, I mean, she could have an event the next day and it's like, she's getting a facial that makes her skin look like a freaking baby's the day before. Like, we just don't even know. You don't even, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, so I'm sure there's so many resources that, you know, allow her to look the way that she looks. Um, But, and, and I can't imagine too, you know, I say we again comically as if we're the same age, but like I, so Facebook came out when we, I, we are, we are very <laughs> close in age. <laughs> I, Facebook came out when I was like a sophomore in college and it was very like, you would go out and you'd like take your digital camera and then you would come back in and upload like 40 pictures from like what you did that night before. But there weren't really like filters. There weren't apps there was no like facetune nothing it was just like if that's a bad picture like you you're, I'm not gonna post it and so I am so thankful that at least I, I had the chance to kind of grow up in only like the magazine retouch world whereas like younger girls now oh my god I can't imagine like I mean I use filters like I'm not savvy enough to use like facetune or photoshop but I mean, I think we all use a little bit of that stuff. And I'm sure when your face is basically your brand, um, but I don't, do you use like, and no, I'm, you can also just be like, get out of here with this question, but um, like, do you use filters? These are important questions to ask. Um, So I, I have, I did for a long, long time. Uh Um, Now I think the most filter that I'll use is that is once if I record a video, then I do Uh the first swipe once the video is uploaded, like the Paris filter, the first one on it. Yeah. She's my jam. So I'll use Paris filter. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like it helps you, it helps you out a little bit, but it doesn't change your entire facial structure, you know? Um, And I think, so Shep's girlfriend, Taylor actually posted something that I loved the other day that was um, all these pictures of her before using um, not Facetune, but the face app, the one that will put on an entire face of makeup and make your hair more voluminous and all this stuff. Yeah. It's insane. And she posted it before and after, and she was like, this needs to be banned. This is not okay. Like it's a hashtag, you know, like end face app or whatever it's called. Not Facetune. Um, That's the only one I I know of is Facetune. It's something besides Facetune. No, there's, I'm, I'm going to send this to you later. It's in, it's, absolute insanity uh just the technology I don't understand how it works uh but a lot of people are moving towards no longer using these types of apps and stuff and just posting the real photo I mean don't get me wrong it's okay I think to if you have 
you know, a bruise or a little something here that whatever, I'm not, sure. you know, the Facetune police, but I think keeping pictures as realistic as possible um, is really important for kids that see these pictures because they are kids, you know, that are on Instagram right now, they're kids, 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 14 year olds. And they're so impressionable. Oh, younger than that. And they look up to all these people. Oh my God. I mean, I got a cell phone at 12 and I was four years before any of my friends. And I thought that was, you know, that was considered so young back then. Now I feel like kids are getting cell phones at five or six or they tablets are. even earlier, yeah. which is fine. I mean, I sound like an old granny right now, but I'm sort of the in-between generation like a little bit younger than you, but older than the kids now that are growing up in this sort of, you know, Facetune, social media, TikTok kind of situation. Um, Because I also would go out with a digital camera and remember uploading like 93. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And you had to, it was like, I don't even think you could pick what you would upload. It was like all or nothing. If I remember, I don't know. It was a hot mess. Like I can't, Oh my God, it was such a mess. But, but all, yeah, okay. So, our like talking about our ages and kids, we some friends and I were talking about this the other day. I hope, I think, and I hope this is going to happen, but I mean, we'll just have to see. Like, I think there's probably this whole generation of parents that's like, oh, we didn't really know better. And so our kids had all this technology and it was like super damaging. And then I think like maybe now and a little younger is going to see the like incredible harm that this is doing to their children. And, and hopefully like now they're coming out with um, like flip phones are coming back and they have these little watches for kids where it's like, you can call four people and like use a couple apps, but like, that's it. So I mean, my, my hope and prayer for like my children is that it will swing the other way and all of that stuff will just, I don't know, but can you put the genie back in the bottle? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just general awareness is becoming more commonplace. And so right now, yeah. what I've started to notice in the last year or two is that, you know, how bloggers and the like YouTubers and stuff that, that uh-huh. really has been what in the last 15 years, max 10, 15 yeah. years, um, maybe a little bit more for some, especially for bloggers, but the children of bloggers that were a lot of the subjects of their parents' blogs and that were, you know, sort of used or exploited for photos with their parents, maybe not realizing, but right. maybe being like, okay, let me put this on the blog and sharing all these things are now coming out. And this is something I think about often, actually, they're now coming out and they're so resentful and they're right. so damaged from feeling like they were, they were exploited and, and have a lot of anger towards their parents and stuff and are calling them out on the internet and on TikTok and on Instagram and whatever. And I'm just like, God, I mean, this is something, this is unprecedented. So how would we have known that this is how it would affect kids? But uh, so I think maybe it is possible to put the genie back in the bottle if you're a parent that's aware of that stuff. Uh, you know, not to always have a camera out in front of your kids being like, what are you doing? Like, what did yeah. you say? Filming them. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll see these bloggers filming their young kids and the kids are like, no camera, no yeah. camera. I mean, yeah. can you imagine? I know. I know. It's, I've seen that. It's funny you say okay. that. I've, I've seen that too. And there's, there's uh, this TikTok, God, I wish I could remember her name, um, account that I've been following. And she is like, her mission is like calling out these um, accounts that are like younger teenage girls that are supposedly like monitored by the parents or whatever. But, um, anyway, just, just saying like Mm -hmm. how inappropriate it is that we're 
allowing these young girls to get to be just sexualized like so much younger and younger and younger and the apps and the face. And I do think there's an age too. like, I don't know what age it would be where you have the maturity level to know like, oh, this person has altered the way that they look. You know, there's a young enough crowd mm-hmm. on social media now that doesn't, that's also not mature enough. Like, like say you're eight, nine, 10, they don't know, oh, this person used seven different apps to make them look the way that, that they look. They, they don't know that. And so yeah. they're just growing up in this crazy world. Um, it's funny, Maggie. So um, Maggie Rollins, who she's been on my podcast before, gem of a human angel. Um, and she's gem like- Gem of a human, absolutely gem. A gem. She's an actual model. People ask me about Maggie, and I'm like, can you imagine if um, I'm like, I so badly want to say that she is like that her personality sucks, but she's beautiful. And I'm like, her personality is even more beautiful than the way that she looks, which is just so unfair. The way like, she, she speaks, even just has like the most calming, like her voice. You're like, I want to go to sleep, <laughs> but also keep staring at you. But all I'm saying, <laughs> she's so she's 20. I'm sorry, Maggie, 28 ish, and she's like five nine. And I think, I mean, you can find all this on the internet. I, th- I think she weighs like somewhere between 125 and 140. I can't remember what it is, but it's like an incredibly normal amount of weight. And she was telling me one time, she's like, for my industry, I am short, fat, and old. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, yep. then what are the rest of us supposed to do who are just like normal yeah. people? I mean, you you can't, you can't win, but... And it's, so it's a really Crazy. delicate, like hard, Crazy. weird balance being in aesthetics. And like, I love all of this stuff. Like I love skincare. I love my Botox or Xeomin is actually what I use on myself. And, and I love it all. But, but then you do, I do, I see peers and colleagues go down the rabbit hole where they like literally can't stop. They can't mm-hmm. stop. They tweak everything constantly. And it's hard. It's, it's, yep. it's just a weird time. Yeah, I think that there's, it's the way that I compare that. I mean, things with like, I feel like lips and eyelashes are very similar. And then back in the day, it used to be blonde hair. So you would go, you get your first few lights and then you get a few highlights next time. And then three years down the road, you're bleach blonde and your hair's half broken off and you have to like start over. Right. And you don't understand how you got to this point. People, some people are, I don't know, this is my personal observation. I don't know if this is true or not, but um, at least my friends that have started on eyelash extensions years ago, that the next time they get a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Totally. Lip injections, you go in the first time, you like the the how they look when they're swollen and then the swelling goes down. So the next time you go, you get a little bit more and that's how these people end up. It's a very slow progression of how these people end up looking so crazy. It doesn't right. happen overnight. No, you're totally um, right. But it's just like, oh, this will add a little bit of zhuzh. This will add a little bit of that and this. And then you end up looking weird. And it's, um, it is hard because you yeah, do, so you want to look better. Like it just, it makes me, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. I wake up and now, honestly, now that my skin is so much different, I wear significantly less makeup, you know, and when I'm like freshly Botox or done a peel or whatever. Um, so I don't know. It's a, like, that's a hard conversation, but I do, I want to talk about, it I, takes a lot of effort to look this effortless. It, <laughs> Someone said that the other day, I was like, that's totally. hilarious. <laughs> it's like the take on Dolly Parton. Like it takes a lot of money to look this cheap, but hopefully that's not what we're saying. We're saying effortless, not cheap. 
Um, but I did. So I you, know you're saying like just do the maintenance so you don't have to wear makeup and and they all the time if you don't want to and skincare so you don't have to feel like you're not confident because you have redness you want to cover up or random stuff like that. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I think that's the way to do it. Honestly, I think slowly getting into things and and I will tell my Botox and filler patients all day long too. If you're not taking care of your skin, then like quit wasting your money because you're nothing is aging you like your skin and being in the sun and not using appropriate skincare. Um, so I, you know, I do hate yeah. to see yeah. there's so many young, young, young girls now getting Botox and they're like still in the tanning bed. And I, I literally will tell them like you're t- taking your money and setting it on on fire is like what's happening. I mean, I wish that more um, people in aesthetics were like you, because I do think that, I don't know, I not to put a percentage on it, but we'll say a high amount are um, money driven, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, they'll do the quick fix injection, and then they'll just keep upselling you on more and more and more instead of being like, no, I'm not injecting you today, you look weird this is not going to turn out well, you know, because it really has to be based in your opinion, your medical opinion. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't say no. They don't. They should. Totally agree. So, they sh- I just was telling a patient no this week and she said, thank you. I think I'm just overanalyzing my face. And I was like, you totally are. And I said, if you're just making your normal faces, because she was like, look, I can do this. And I said, well, but that's not, you don't make that face. Like, stop stop doing that. Like, that's not how your normal conversational mm-hmm. face. And she was like, Oh, okay. You're right. Totally. So it's just <laughs> I kind of have to reframe it too. Like some things yeah. are just normal, but, um, I want to talk yeah. about your dad for a minute because, you know, I know that was really difficult and you're an only child and you're super close to your parents. Um, and so we talked about this a little bit before, but, and you, you know, your dad had, so he had esophageal cancer, right? And which is not all that common. Yeah. Um, about 1% of cancer is esophageal cancer. S- super much more common in men than women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, I was, you know, I was kind of thinking, I, like I said, I do have, I do have providers that listen to this um, podcast. And before I took a very hard left into aesthetics, I worked in surgical cancer setting for 10 years. Um, and I, I'll, I think it's always really helpful to humanize stories and hear from patients and their families of like, what was that experience like? And what was it like going through that with your dad? Um, and just anyway. Yeah. So, um, he was diagnosed three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so he essentially lived for one year, uh, before he passed away. So he was having a little bit of sort of indigestion or he just felt like there was a, some type of blockage when he was eating. Yeah. Um, and he ended up, so he went in, um, to the ER and even just that is a traumatic experience because the, I mean, the whole system is just so off. Um, but he went in and they're like, Oh no, you're probably fine. It's probably just, um, heartburn here, take this. And he's like, no, I really don't feel like it's heartburn. I feel like it's something they're like, okay, we'll just take this for two weeks and then come back if, um, you don't want to. And my boyfriend at the time worked at MUSC and was like, no, I think we should, I think we should go look like it, it, we need to push. And he happened to know the attending on call, um, and convinced them to do it. And then 
he was sent to his GI who then told him that he had a seven millimeter tumor at the base of his esophagus mm-hmm. connecting to his stomach. Yeah. Um, then, so, you know, the few, I remember the morning they called me over, I lived across the street from them. Um, the morning they called me over and we we're standing in the kitchen. My dad is like, so, you know, trying to, trying to deliver the news extremely gently to me yeah. to not scare me to not, because we really didn't know anything about it at the time. Um, I think people in medicine don't realize how much even educated people don't know about the way that things work in right. medicine, um, right. especially with ho- the hospital system and all that stuff and insurance and blah, blah, blah. So he's like, you know, they found a little something and it's probably nothing serious, but it did come back cancerous. And so we're just going to go ahead and um, try to treat it and go from there. And I was crying my eyes out. And he's like, don't right. cry. It, everything's going to be fine. Like, I'm not worried. You shouldn't be worried. Um, but then I went home and I was telling my friends that are in medicine about this and they were like, it's not good. They were, you almost can tell, they didn't say that. They they would just say things like, oh, well, enjoy your time with him. Like you guys like have, you know, so much time to spend together. They'd say things like that, that Oof. weren't like, oh, he's going to die. But it also yeah. wasn't, it was just weird. Like you kind of had the subtext, let me understand that something was off. Right. And doctors, you know, when we would ask them questions, they would be like, well, you know, um, this does, we hope to treat we hope to treat this cancer. This is, um, um, this could be a treatable cancer and, and little things like that, where you're like, okay, we hope to treat, not yeah. like we're going to treat this and it's going to be gone. So it was just small things like that, that, um, have stuck with me that in hindsight now, I know exactly what they were saying, but at the time you want to hang on to so much hope you're, you're like, okay, yeah, we're going to treat it. They said, we're going to treat it, but no, actually they said we hope to treat um, then, so he, when they tried to stage it out, he was staged, I think he was staged incorrectly. He was staged at three B when uh-huh. I think he was really a four A from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and for people that don't know, there's, you know, different stages and then there's A and B and one through depending four. on the lymph nodes and the other organs. Yeah. Um, and so he went, um, he started chemo and ra- radiation. They couldn't start the chemo or radiation for like a month or something because of some administrative issue. I mean, it was bullshit really. Yeah. Um, and so that was really hard, you know, living, he got super depressed cause he was like feeling, starting to feel bad. He yeah. really couldn't eat. He was throwing up everything that he ate. <sighs> and so it started to get really difficult. Um, then after, uh, he finished chemo radiation, which he did pretty well through, he decided to do an Ivor Lewis, which is where they essentially take out half your esophagus, half your stomach, and then tie the two parts together yeah. and try to create a new pocket, but it's incredibly invasive and incredibly painful. And really because his lymph nodes were already affected, there's no reason like going back, we wouldn't have done the surgery. You know, he yeah. could have had a better quality of life and everybody's case is different and there's no way for the doctors to know, but um, that's sort of one regret. And then after the Ivor Lewis, they went to France. Once he was recovered enough, a couple months later, he did a ton of tests, was told in August that he was completely cancer-free and died that December. So it was a very rapid wow. downhill and super like traumatic for everybody involved. And, you know, he knew he was going to die. And so we thankfully got to have all the conversations and he planned everything for, for me and my mom. Like he emptied out his own closet, you know, just things oh. like that. It was really, really difficult. Um, but 
yeah, he, he essentially like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. I never like cry when I talk about this, but that's fair. I think I it's feel fair. Like he left me, <laughs> he left me with the tools to be able to cope with it in my everyday life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Golly, I'm going to cry. Um, didn't know him. No, sorry, this is not the direction I wanted to take this. Um, okay. but no, yeah, he, he, I, he, I wanted to talk about it because it's important <laughs> because it is, it's kind of a rare cancer. And, you know, we're like joking about a lot of things. And, but this is, I mean, ultimately, like I'm a medical provider. This is a healthcare podcast. And there are things that we just, you know, one thing I, I feel like we're so hyper-focused on things like clean beauty and clean food and clean ingredients. But like a huge thing that, plays a factor in esophageal stomach throat all the head and neck cancers is like smoking and drinking in our lifestyle and I think a lot of us I mean I can look back and say there were 10 or 15 years of my life where that was not a focus in any way whatsoever and and like you know tanning bed like it's I'm sure I'm gonna have melanoma at some point like there are just so many things that I think we we downplay I know you said they they weren't really sure. You're never really sure a hundred percent where any of that came from, yeah. but, but, um, but he, he and my dad, um, he didn't smoke and I never ever, he didn't smoke or drink cause he used to, um, be in hospitality, like he used to own nightclubs. So he uh-huh. hated alcohol and he hated that I drank, but yeah, he, he, um, never drank, didn't smoke. It, it was just totally, out of I think point. it was, maybe silent GERD that he didn't realize that he had a food allergy that didn't really manifest itself. Yeah. Um, that's why I think it's important for people to get tested for food allergies because you, you never know if you're, you know, chronically inflamed, what will happen? The cells will start to change and that's how cancers develop. Um, I mean, I got scoped after he died cause I wanted uh-huh. to know if this was something that could be a problem could be passed on to me or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you're actually celiac. But most people are now because, you know, food is so genetically modified that over a period of time of eating poorly, like you will develop these allergies. Supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now. So how do we know what to choose in a brand? My family personally uses Thorn. Thorne has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any Thorn product through me when you create your account at thorn.com slash you slash dabblecoat and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm Dabbleco as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash you like the letter U slash Dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. this is all my fear at all medically packed, (laughs) but, um, I wasn't, I grew up in France. Like I was never celiac. I lived off of bread and croissants and stuff, you know? Um, and what I'm 27 years old and now suddenly I'm celiac. That's weird. But yeah. So, so would you say food allergies? Well, yeah. And, and also if you have reflux too, I think people don't realize simple things like acid reflux. So like I've had a scope because I've had reflux my whole life. And there's a reason it says on the back of the box, like take, don't take this for more than two weeks without talking to your doctor, because you shouldn't just take those medicines habitually without somebody checking behind you to see if you've like developed Barrett's esophagus and like, are you going to have cancer do you need a scope um but I wanted to ask you so just the conversations 
like it, how would you rather, it's hard. Like, did, would you, did you hang on to the hope that you were given with your dad? Or are you like, you know, I wish somebody had just said like, Hey, esophageal cancer has a 20% survival rate. Like what, you know? Uh, That's such a hard question because so uh, yes and no the the hope mm-hmm. that you hang on to in those moments because i mean it's grueling you know you're living essentially at the hospital my mom was like sleeping on this chair sitting up for months yeah. at a time and i would i got to go home thankfully but um every day you know you're back and forth and so you need something to hold on to um mm-hmm. hope is super important and because it you know yeah miracles do happen it didn't for us but maybe for other families it has and it will right um so having that hope was super important I think that towards the end I mean it took us months to understand what was really going on and when he was just so uncomfortable that he was basically asking like I don't want to be here anymore like this is not how I want to live I want to be you know active and whatever and this is just not for me that's when we were like, all right, this is like for him. Like, I just want this to end because, um, there's also a lot of red tape around, uh, you know, hospice and do you go to a hospice cottage or do you have a hospice nurse come over or is she coming over often enough? And then with a gastro cancer, how do they administer the meds? Because you're not going to, um, absorb it through the stomach, but then insurance will not allow an IV to be done unless you're at a cottage. You know, there's all this stupid Oof. stuff that yeah. gets in the way of somebody's comfort um, that we had to deal with it. Had I known, you know, I would have put them, I would have just done it differently had I known yeah. that all this, it, that it was going to take four days to get an IV in him, you know, um, at home. It, it's crazy the the way that things work like that. Or what, don't work actually. I what's also <laughs> crazy too is like I don't even think I think there's oftentimes where the provider who or like whoever's trying to take care of your dad, like we don't even know. So sometimes these things will be happening and we're like, you know, you'll get this fax like four days later that's like, oh, so and so hospice company, you know, faxed you the the order for whatever it is that they need. And you're like, first of all, why are we using a fax machine? It's you know, 2020 or whenever this was like it's and there's all these things mm-hmm. that you, we don't even necessarily know that are the, that the red tape, exactly what you're talking about. Like, oh, well, insurance won't cover it in a liquid form, you know, or he doesn't yes. have the oh right to. Oh my God, I mean, that was crazy. such a thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Liquid yeah. is it, for They'll whatever cover pill, reason. won't cover the liquid. I, I don't, and I'm I don't like, like, understand I that. I mash this up myself. Yeah. yeah it's I bizarre. It, it makes no sense. Um, well, thank, thanks for talking about that. I know it's not like the most fun yeah. conversation in the world, no, but it's important. It, it's fun. Wanted people to hear that. So, um, yeah, all right, well tell us course. when does the new season of Southern Charm come out and where can people find you? Um, so I have, I have no idea when the new season comes out, probably end of spring, I would guess. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't think at I'll least like Andy. I haven't been told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um and then you can find me on instagram it's at naomi underscore olindo there's an e at the end of naomi that everybody misses but yes yeah, that's where you can find me well thank you so much for coming yeah. this was so fun and guys as always if you liked please rate subscribe listen share it with your friends this is how i keep getting great guests and i'll see you next week